Well, it's always such a special honor when we get to invite one of our elders to preach to our English congregation. And this morning is one of those moments where we get to invite Elder Fang Ji to speak to us. And so let's give him a very warm welcome. Welcome, Elder Fang Ji. Good morning, everyone. I'm very grateful to be here to uh, share God's words with you. I believe most of us should be very familiar with the gospel according to John. And I'm sure that you will be able to tell me a lot about this book. However, have you ever wondered about the last chapter, chapter 21 of this book? Is this chapter a little surprising to you when you read it? You might feel that the whole book should be completed by the last sentence of chapter 20. In particular, verse 30 to 31 of chapter 20 are just like the ending of one book in terms of the tone, pattern, and the contents. No one would argue that the fourth gospel clearly states its purpose and concludes over there. There's no question that chapter 20 already has already brought the whole book to its climax. Jesus was resurrected and appealed. Before ascending to heaven, he also made the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. To me, chapter 21 is very much like a playback interspersed in the movie credits when a feature movie comes to the end. If we think the opening of the whole book is just like a preface, which tells that the Son of God came to us from the beginning and it became the light that illu- illuminates the, the world, then the last chapter of 20, uh, the last, cha- last chapter of this book is also very much like an uh, epilogue. It should not be simply regarded as another appearance of Lord, the Lord Jesus after his resurrection. In this chapter, Jesus once again called and taught his disciples through his appearance. From what he taught, he strengthened his relationship with the disciples and also with us. He encouraged us to live for him, follow him in his grace, so that we can carry the cross and fulfill the Great Commission. Today, by reading through the first part of this chapter, I would like to share with you how God encouraged and restored Peter, and I believe God will do the same thing to you and me through these precious passages. Let's pray. Dear Lord, very often we're just like uh, Peter at the Sea of uh, Tiberias. After meeting you, the resurrected Lord, Sometimes we still return to the way everything used to be. Oh Lord, please transform our lives from the way we were to your true image bearers. Lord, please restore us, revive us, commission us to your service, and help us grow stronger and more faithful in you. We pray in your precious name. Amen. If you are reading the NIV Bible, the first word of this chapter is afterward. This very concise expression really condenses a lot of details from the prior chapters. The crucifixion of Jesus, his death and the burial, the empty tomb, the resurrected Lord's appearance to Mary Magdalene and a few other, uh, several other women, his appearance to two men on the way to um, Amaeus, and so on. All these details are included. Along with this, 
Jesus appeared twice to his disciples. The first time was on the day of his resurrection. Then eight days later, he appeared again to help Thomas understand um, the fact of his resurrection. At the beginning of chapter 21, the disciples had returned to the Sea of Galilee. John actually called called it the Sea of Tiberias in the scriptures here. This name is the Romans' uh, appellation of the Sea of Galilee in order to honor Caesar August, who ruled this area from 14 to 37 AD. From Matthew 28, uh, verse 7 and 10, and also Mark chapter 16, verse 7, we learn that this is where Jesus instructed them to go to. The Bible then explained that Jesus appealed to the disciples over there. The appearance of Jesus after his resurrection is not really like a routine event that we can anticipate when and where it will happen. They are the miracles performed by the Lord in his own will. But this time, this appearance was actually arranged by the Lord in advance for the disciples to follow. Matthew 28, 7, 10, and Mark 16, 7 clearly tells us that the disciples will see Jesus in Galilee. And the Lord Jesus wanted them to go there and wait for more instructions and teachings from him. Before this, Jesus had been in Jerusalem for a long while, and his disciples had also gathered around, around him over there. Why Jesus wanted to make such an arrangement may not be immediately clear clear to us. However, as we keep reading, we will find the answer. I don't know if you have ever had such a feeling, but waiting without doing anything is never an easy thing to me. For the disciples who have followed Jesus for almost uh, three and a half years, this waiting could be particularly difficult. Some time has passed since his last appearance. And the waiting undoubtedly made the disciples feel uncertain and even panic. I'm sure that the seven disciples mentioned over here must have repeatedly wondered about what or how they will be able to do and who they could do with. After all, Jesus' mission as a Messiah on the world has fulfilled. He was crucified on the cross for people's sins and resurrected three days later. Then seeing that had been paid through his sacrifice. Satan's authority of death had been overcome. And Jesus had also uh, appealed to the disciple a couple of times. After all this happened, would Jesus prefer the disciples to figure out the things to do by themselves? For the disciples, what could they do? when there seemed no leader or even no detailed instruction ahead. Exactly in this case, Peter decided to go fishing, to go fishing, and all the disciples supported his idea. Different biblical hermeneutics have always had different interpretations towards this matter. Was what Peter and the disciples did right or wrong? Should they be blamed or not? Those who hold an active view believe that the Lord Jesus had predicted the subsequent actions of these disciples 
in the first part of John uh, chapter 16, verse 32. Over there, the Bible says, But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Also, in chapter 20, the Lord appealed to the disciples, sent them, and made them uh, receive the Holy Spirit. After experiencing all this, Peter and the disciples still returned to their old business, returned to their starting point. This attitude of compromise and abandonment is is unacceptable. Peter's action indicates that he thought he had lost the privilege of being one of Jesus' witnesses after he denied the Lord for three times. However, different from this interpretation, the more positive view argued that the incident of Peter's go, uh, going fishing, return to fishing, is not comparable to his giving up the entrustment of the Lord. Peter was always an activist. He, he was not the one who just waited there for things to happen automatically. Meanwhile, fishing itself might be for the purpose of earning for living, but could be also a proof of his good use of time. Therefore, this should be regarded as a wise move with some practical considerations. From my understanding to these chapters, I could not find any definite evidence that the purpose of Peter Peter and the, all the disciples returning back to Galilee was only for fishing. From Mark 16:7 and Matthew 28:7 and 10, which were mentioned earlier, we clearly see that they returned to Galilee for Jesus' commands. However, at the same time, um, why glanced a few uh, verses after verse 3 in chapter 21, I also clearly sensed that the disciples seemed to be trapped in some kind of disappointing situation, which made them feel very weak, very incapable. When the Lord Jesus, who promised them to appeal over there, really appealed in front of them, they did not recognize him. What were revealed from their words and actions did not seem to belong to a group of new life who rely on the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to preach the gospel to the world, as we see in the book of Acts. If they had not seen the resurrected Lord at that time, this seems reasonable. But the situation is, from chapter 20, on the first night of the week, except Thomas, all other disciples already saw the resurrected Lord. And a week later, Thomas and other disciples were all there. Jesus came to them again and said, Peace be with you. Therefore, to my understanding, at least, it shows that Peter and the disciples were not entirely sure what they should do next. By comparing their actions at this moment with what they were going to do after uh, the day of Pentecost, we will be able to find out their sense of uncertainty in the beginning of chapter 21 seems particularly obvious. There could be some different reasons for this. Was it, was it because the Holy Spirit had not yet descended and the disciples had not yet received the power? Or was it because the disciples had not really worked out of the shadow uh, from, 
from Jesus being crucified, and therefore could not firmly undertake uh, the great commission entrusted by the Lord. For Peter, this situation might be particularly intense. Was it possible that the experience of denying the Lord three times prevented him from facing the Lord Jesus at that moment? In any case, Galilee was the hometown of these disciples. As a fisherman who were very familiar with the condition of the Sea of Galilee, they chose to fish at night, probably because that was the best timing for fishing. However, they caught nothing that night. After the whole night's hard works, they caught nothing. At that point, it is almost impossible for us not to be reminded about Luke chapter 5, the first 11, first 11 verse. On that occasion, Peter also uh, uh, fished on the Sea of Galilee. He also worked very hard for the whole night, and also he didn't get anything. Jesus, who was sitting in Peter's boat and teaching the cross, instructed him to row the boat into the deep water before casting the net. Peter and his companions did what, Pe uh, what Jesus said. Then they caught a large school of fish. Peter claimed that he was a sinner, so he kneeled before Jesus and asked the Lord to, to go away from him. However, Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. After that, Peter and his companions left everything and began to follow Jesus. We probably wouldn't get the point when we read the verse 4 for the first time, verse 4 of chapter 21st. It was dawning, and Jesus was standing on the shore at that time, but the disciples didn't know it was him. These disciples had followed Jesus for more than three years. How many times had they listened to his teachings and witnessed uh, his miracles? Especially not long time ago, the resurrected Lord appealed twice to them. However, they did not recognize him at that moment. It could be explained that the twilight covered their eyes. However, in their hearts, was there also some kind of obstruction? This obstruction covered their eyes and prevented them from discerning the resurrected Lord. In fact, if anyone is uncertain about the call of the Lord or the mission entrusted by the Lord, this is exactly the situation he is in. Something else could make him feel even more tormented, like the feeling of a disappointment, like the sense of suspicion, worrying, termidity. All this feeling would cover his sides like a mist, hindering his footstep like stum stumbling blocks. His vision of faith was obscured. He couldn't fix his eyes on the Lord. However, no matter what our spiritual life will be, when the night is over and the sky is shining, the Lord who loves us will once again awaken our sleeping souls. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Isn't his call to the disciples in verse 5 just a proof to this? However, the disciples' response to Jesus was short and direct. 
A simple no without any explanation or justification showed us the dilemma they were facing. It can be seen that they did not want to be asked this question, nor did they wish to be made embarrassed or frustrated. As fishermen who had lived who had lived by fishing for generations, they got nothing after the whole night's hard work, after they tried everything possible. Such a, situ such a situation surely will hurt their self-respect. Similarly, when we thought we can rely on own, our own knowledge, our experience, our ability to achieve our goals, we will eventually be like that situation somehow. From the context of the scriptures, before the fish was, were caught in verse 7, the disciples did not recognize the Lord. However, without recognizing him, they unexpectedly followed the instruction from the shore in the twilight. Is this because they recall the simil similar situation described in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11? When they came to what seemed to be the end, they must long for the presence and the guidance of the Lord in their hearts. In any case, this time, this group of fishermen must still rely on the instruction of the Lord Jesus to catch the fish. What happened was, when they followed the Lord's guidance, they were even unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. The Lord Jesus told them, um, to cast the net on the right side of the boat. This is a very interesting detail. There is a perception in Greek culture that the right side of anything is generally considered as good luck. But as Christians, we shouldn't comprehend this passage from a cultural perspective alone. Many years ago, I joined a, a Sunday school um, about gospel according to John. A brother who led the study also mentioned something similar from Matthew uh, chapter 25. To, to his understanding, there is actually a distinction between left and the right. If you remember from Matthew chapter 25, when the Lord Jesus was talking about the parable of the sheep and the goats, in verse 33, he said that the king put the sheep on his right side and put the goats on his left. Those on his right side were blessed, and those on his left side were cursed. The difference between the left and the right sides over there corresponds to the difference between the eternal punishment and the eternal life. As to whether these two differences of left and the right sides are related or not, I haven't found a solid answer. But I don't think that we, sh we need to make judgments based on the human's will if the Bible does not give us a clear guidance. In fact, in the passage of John 21st, what we should pay attention to is not really the difference between the left and the right. What we need to discern is whether it is a guidance from our God. What I have observed from the verse is that when the disciples were willing to follow Jesus' instruction to act, Jesus' promise was so determinate. You will find. Yes, we will find. For us, this is a, such a familiar and a precious promise. 
In Matthew 21:22, the Lord Jesus said, "If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer." In Mark 11:24, the Lord Jesus said, "Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours." And also in Acts 1:8, Jesus said to the apostles who gathered around him, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit." Comes on you. No matter what situation we are facing, we are facing God's promise never fail. As fishermen, Peter and his companions understood that the miracle just happened was not accidental. As a method of making living, by all means, the act of fishing should be something that these fishermen were proud of. But it can also be something exposing their weakness. And helpless in their hearts. For us all, it's the same. Our strengths may also happen to be our weaknesses, and our Lord is right there to break our pride, our self-righteousness, our being opinionated, and also our needs to find a sense of security in this world. He breaks this for the purpose of calling us to follow Him and serve Him. Up to this point, we should be able to understand the purpose of the Lord Jesus commanding the disciples to wait for His appearance at Galilee. He asked them to He asked them to go back to an environment that they were most familiar with. Even these disciples were doing something they had been doing a lifelong. Eventually, they still had to rely on God, rely on Lord's presence. And guidance. In verse seven, John quickly recognized that it was Jesus who was speaking to them. Peter's action of wrapping his outer garment around him usually refers to putting on a belt or a waistband, or using a belt to tighten his outer garment. For a person who was about to jump into the sea, this move seemed extraordinary. This action might express Peter's awe of Jesus because he did not want to be naked in front of the Lord, or it may mean that he can swim to Jesus more conveniently. In any case, when Peter confirmed that the Lord Jesus was, was right in front of him, his action was very frank and very clear. Perhaps, in Peter's view, if he could be with the resurrected Lord. Who would care about fishing or something else? But at the same time, what were the other disciples doing? They were not far from the shore, and they didn't seem to show the excitement like Peter did, but continued to work hard to tow the net to the shore. So the characteristics of Peter's being an activist continued to be revealed in this passage. The Lord Jesus did not. Accused the disciples for lacking of faith, Jesus wanted to teach the disciple that he can see everything through, that the disciples couldn't. No matter what kind of situation they were in, no matter what they were doing, they still needed his guidance, and the Lord Jesus was willing to help them. If God is for us, who can be against us? Very often. What we see is not really what the Lord sees. We really need to pray to the Lord fervently 
for opening our eyes and helping us all the time. Chapter 21 of Gospel according to John is really the key passage showing us how the Lord restored and prepared Jesus, uh, prepared Peter for the important mission ahead. As the one who was called by the Lord Jesus and chose to follow him, Peter was also the one who was predicted by the Lord of denying him three times. Peter thought that he was strong enough, thought he had the determination and the confidence to imprison and died with the Lord. But when Jesus was arrested, he only dared to follow Jesus far behind in order to protect himself. When was recognized and questioned, he repeated what Jesus, uh, he repeated, repeatedly denied that he was a follower of Jesus. Before the rooster crowed, when Peter remembered what Jesus had said to him, he couldn't help weeping bitterly. In the gospel, there are two more negative descriptions about Peter. The first part is from Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 to 23. For the first time, Jesus predicted that he would die on the cross. But Peter urged him to give up his plan of going to Jerusalem and choose not to accomplish God's will by being crucified on the cross. He was then denounced by Jesus a stumbling block. The second part is from Luke chapter 22, verse 31. When the disciples argued over when sh- uh, which one should be considered the greatest among all, the Lord said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. To our Lord, Peter's self-confidence is nothing but useless chaff. As a leader of the disciples who fell asleep when the Lord prayed, drew his sword to resist when the Lord was arrested, followed by the sidelines during the Lord's trial, and deny the Lord when being questioned, Peter had no way to rely on his own courage to follow Jesus. John 21, verse 15 to 19, shows us the second call of Jesus to Peter. Do you truly love me more than this? The Lord asked Peter three times in a row, and Peter was inspired step by step for his faithful response. The Lord repeatedly told Peter to feed his lambs and predicted how Peter would die to glorify God in the future. The Lord once again built Peter up, brought him back from returning to his old business. Through the second call of our Lord, Peter finally realized that he cannot rely on himself. Peter was able to serve the Lord only after he humbled himself before the Lord, and he truly became strong and courageous only in the Lord. After this chapter, with the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, Peter, as a servant reused by the Lord, became one of the Lord's faithful servants. He witnessed Jesus and declared the gospel bravely, and his preaching brought great power. Peter was really transformed from a fisherman who made a living by fishing to a fisherman who brought people to the Lord. By relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, he preached the gospel to others, performed the miracles to heal the lame, and raise the dead. 
the power of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the figure of Jesus often seem to be reflected from Peter. Although he had been sent to prison several times, his confidence and ability to preach bodily for the Lord was increasing day by day. Even when faced with questions from the higher priests and the religious leaders, he still showed no fear. Why did Peter and the apostles preach more boldly when they faced great difficulty? It is because they had all experienced the protection of the Lord and knew that the Lord was with them at all times. To encounter the powerful opponents and the uncertain situations, they had gained greater strength and security in the Lord. They became stronger and stronger. They had gained greater strength and security in the Lord. They also experienced more of Lord's grace and salvation when they were persecuted for his righteousness. In his late years, Peter was even more mature in his experience of God's faith. From first and second Peter, he quoted the suffering of Christ to encourage all Christians to be willing to suffer for our Lord and live out the holy life with lively hope in the Lord while facing the difficulty or the, or even the persecution. Peter's life after chapter 21 of Gospel according to John is really the best example, best model for us Christians. Especially after, exper after experiencing his own crisis and failures, Peter issued this exhortation to all the believers who served. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is indeed the best reminder to all the Christian leaders and all the co-workers. In the process of becoming a Christian and dedicating ourselves to serve the Lord, aren't we constantly experiencing the same thing as Peter did? The Lord Jesus has repeatedly called and waited for us. He waited for us to fully turn back to him. He never to rebuild and shape us through the environment constantly. Whenever we feel weak, whenever we feel helpless, whenever we feel stumbled, or even feel being abandoned, we can always return to the point of receiving God's calling and make our commitments to him once again. Dear brothers and sisters, during this challenging time, let us all rely on our love to be strong and courageous. Let us all firmly believe in Lord's preparation and guidance. Make ourselves ready to fight the spiritual battle for him together. May Lord bless his own words.